I really like serving people and helping people and helping improve and helping people improve their lives in any way, shape or form, I guess. So for right now, for me, if I can help somebody in my day, then that makes me feel good. It brings me joy to spend time with my family. I do this thing, I did a parenting course recently, an online parenting course on how to do positive parenting and they suggest doing quality time with your kids, so 10 to 15 minutes a day and so before I, before my kids go off to school we do a 15 minute what we call quality time. I'll have one of my children and my husband takes the other one then we switch over and we do something that they like to do. So You're listening to the Money and Meaning Podcast, where we chronicle the search for meaning over money. I'm your host, Kenei Porter, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one financial hypnotherapist. This podcast is the mission-driven CEO's guide to wealth without burnout, guilt, or greed. So let's get into today's show. In business, you will have to pivot at some point. And many businesses experienced this in 2020 during the pandemic. This episode that I'm about to replay for you right now was important to me because this particular CEO, Kimberly Ramsey, she needed to pivot very early in her business. As a matter of fact, she had to choose between two tracks and She could have followed her heart, but she decided to follow the data in this instance. And that's what made me fall in love with this. Because in our work with CEOs and their teams, a lot of times what's in a CEO's heart is not what shows up on the paper. Even what's in the CEO's head is not what shows up in the numbers. And the numbers, they tell the truth. (laughs) It's just right there. And every part of your business should have a number in some way, shape or form. And I can explain that later in other episodes. And if you're in our program, you'll learn that. But for those of you who read your analytics, you know, you're collecting data and you're analyzing that data and hopefully you're using that data to make decisions. And that is what Kimberly had to do when she was building her business. And although she had two choices, eventually, because she followed the numbers, she was able to get become successful enough to pull that second idea back into her life. So she started out with the money and then she went into the meaning. And she found that following the money also brought her meaning. She has a very meaningful business and you'll hear more about it as you listen to this episode. But as you listen, I want you to think about when you yourself maybe had to make a decision between going left and going right in your business and what that did for you. Because some of us, we don't follow the data. We go in the direction of we think we know, even though the numbers are telling us differently, or we don't even look at the data. I have so many CEOs that I've worked with that are not looking at the data and they're not listening to their team and they don't have wise counsel. And maybe they're doing things the old way. Yeah, my Gen Xer and baby, especially my baby boomer CEOs, but my Gen Xer CEOs can be really stuck in their program too. 
Now, what I love about working with millennials, especially I don't work with as many millennial CEOs as I do millennial teams. And the great thing about working with millennial teams is that they are open to the easy route. A lot of times the Gen Xers and the baby boomers, they have to take the hard road and they don't listen to wise counsel. Now I'll tell you, the millennial is going to have to know why, why they're doing it this way. And they need to do things in real time. Like They don't want to know about future events. They really know about what do I need right now in this moment? They are very in this moment. And I love that about them, but it can really irritate a Gen X or a baby boomer often. This episode that you're about to listen to might help you do as a business owner is to make tough decisions early. Mm, yeah. Yeah, right. You, you Sometimes you make a tough decision, but by the time you make it, you've been through so much right? You didn't listen to the pebble. You didn't listen to the brick. You didn't listen to the boulder. You had to wait for the whole brick house or whatever wall to fall on your head before you made that tough decision. But I think when you listen to this episode, you'll get what you'll connect with, with Kimberly and maybe get a spark on how you can make tough decisions earlier. Little known fact, a little, I think it's some good news that came out of this episode is that we ranked this podcast. We ranked in New Zealand because of this episode, because this particular CEO is from New Zealand. And so when the episode aired, all the New Zealanders, I hope that's what they call themselves, listened, not all, but a a lot of them listened and that created a buzz and we ranked pretty high in New Zealand. And I thought that was pretty cool. Because we are a global company. We started out as, you know, local in Peachtree City in Georgia. And then we went national and then we went global. I mean, we have people from Philippines and Hong Kong and companies in New Zealand and Australia and different places working with us. And I mean, really more than that, I'm not even naming all the countries that we have, Spain, but it feels really good. And they're learning and growing with us. And we feel like the more we can serve, and again, this episode, like last episode, 156, is part of our Search for Meaning Over Money series. And I'm replaying this one because it was just so potent. And before you hear the episode, you're going to hear me talk about our Search for Meaning Over Money masterclass for about two minutes, and then you'll go into the episode If you are a CEO that has a tough time listening to your team or has a tough time communicating and relating to your team, this masterclass is for you. So you should listen. Don't fast forward. And I'll tell you exactly how we can connect. So that is all for now. Listen to this episode, get out of it as much as you can. And let me know what you did get out of it. You can go ahead and email me you can record as you know one or two minute recording and then email it to me and just tell me what you got out of this episode. You can email it at podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Everything you need will be in the show notes. So I will see you sooner.
Hey guys, welcome to Presidential Experience Podcast. You're back and this is another week of EO interviews. We have another EO member, but let me ask you a question before I get started on that. I'd really want to know how many of you were cheerleaders when you were a kid or maybe you wanted to be a cheerleader or better yet, maybe you wanted to date a cheerleader because I know we have a lot of men listeners. I think everybody has a cheerleading story somewhere inside of them, even if it was just that you were a cheerleader for Halloween one year. I asked this question because our guest today, Kimberly Ramsey, a mother of three, traded in a successful law and accounting career to start the sport of cheerleading in New Zealand. She started her business with $200 and it's grown to be a multi-million dollar global sport apparel, event, and tour company. Going from tax lawyer and accountant to cheerleading entrepreneur, Kimberly now runs eight locations across New Zealand, plus a global event and apparel company. We will talk to Kimberly about her shift in her career, how she found meaning in this new business, what stressors come with running a sports business, and how she navigates working her business being a mom and just really just working it. Besides all of that, I'm really curious to know how Kimberly kind of navigates this thing between pizza, chocolate, and ice cream and mindfulness and running because we have that in common. So I really want to know how she navigates that. So guys, please join me in welcoming our guest today, Kimberly Ramsey. Hey, Kimberly. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm so glad you're here. So I don't know if you remember this from our podcast, but we ask every guest, what is your idea of prosperity? I think for me, prosperity looks like really good life balance, um, having meaning in the work that I do, but then also having that amazing family time and making the most and enjoying you know, every day, regardless of what it brings. Mm, I like that. Enjoying every day, regardless of what it brings, right? Because we can't control that. And That's kind of like looking for the magic in every day, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So speaking of that, looking for the magic in every day, how do you do that? What are some ways that you have found work for you? For me, it's about... I really like serving people and helping people and helping improve and helping people improve their lives in any way, shape or form, I guess. So for right now, for me, if I can help somebody in my day, then that makes me feel good. It brings me joy to spend time with my family. I do this thing. I did a parenting course recently, an online parenting course on how to do positive parenting. And they suggest doing quality time with your kids. So 10 to 15 minutes a day. And so before I, before my kids go off to school, we do a 15 minute, what we call quality time. I'll have one of my children and my husband takes the other one. Then we switch over and we do something that they like to do. So just being able to have that really mindful present time with them. I love starting my day that way because I feel um, I feel good. I don't, that mother guilt goes away. I'm like, I've done something. It's great. We've had that connection, one-on-one connection with each of the children. And then for me and my business, you, you know, like you, I coach cheerleading. Um, so for me, it's not about just teaching cheerleading skills, but it's about teaching kids really great life skills. And in these changing times right now, the virus and 
things. It certainly is a, a trying time for everybody, but if I can, you know, spark some magic or joy or help reframe or rewrite or look for positives for kids in this time, then for me that that really, you know, helps me find the magic and brings me joy. Yeah, that's so good. I love how you talked about you and your husband separating the children, you get some quality time one-on-one and then shift and get quality time with the other. And even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes, that's the stuff that kids remember. They don't necessarily remember the the toys or the shoes that you buy them. They remember the times that you're right there with them, giving them that love and attention. So that's really cool. I love that. Yeah, they really enjoy it. They look forward to it. They're like, is it quality time now? And we set the alarm clock and we, it also helps them get ready before school. So we're not yelling and fighting. So we say, if you're not ready before eight o'clock, you're going to miss out on your quality time. So they get themselves dressed and they do everything that they need to do. And it's little things. We play cards or we might color in together or play a, a board game or Jenga or something. But it's just really, yeah, it, I love starting my day that way. And so do the kids. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant too, because uh, I, I'm a therapist and I'd work with teenagers a lot, especially teenage boys. And one of the biggest complaints that the parents have is them getting up in the morning. So that little trick right there, that is so cool. I think that's a great trick to give put something in the beginning of the day that they really look forward to and that'll get them out of bed. And then they can add that into their lives as they go. Yeah, no, it, it does definitely start our day well. So yes. So how has your? Well, I actually have two questions. So one of them is around the mother guilt. You did mention the mother guilt, and is that part of your your shift? That was that is that part of what shifted you? Or I'm just wondering where that mother guilt was. Well, did you have that in your previous career? And is that kind of what get, got you to shift careers or is it a different thing, reason why you shifted careers? Oh, yeah. So now I shifted careers just because I wasn't passionate about being a lawyer and I loved to be around people. And I remember talking to my law boss at the time, my partner, and said, and I remember her asking me, what would improve this job? And I said, I'd love more people contact. And she said to me, well, then you should be the receptionist. And I went, okay, <laughs> this is not for me. And that, that was kind of why I made that shift. And I um, actually really wanted to be a party planner and because I just thought that just looked really fun and exciting. So I actually put, in the, put an ad in the paper for party planning and cheerleading classes and nobody called me for party planning and everybody called me for cheerleading classes. Hmm. So that was kind really? of my shift into that career. I kind of had always had a bit of an affinity for cheerleading and pom-poms it didn't exist in New Zealand we had Dallas cowboy type cheerleading when I was younger and I thought it was really glamorous and I always really wanted to be a part of it I um, tried out for the team three times and I didn't make it and on the on the last time I went screw this I'll start my own team so I did I started my own team and put myself on it uh, while I was at law school and enjoyed doing that and then I when I realized that the law wasn't for me I um, then moved towards you know trying to create a career in cheerleading or event planning or something and cheerleading just happened to be the way it kind of fell so wow that's really interesting because it, it sounded like you were open to just do something new put some things out there and then just by being open the thing that was for you flourished 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we push because that could have happened. And then you could have stayed trying to push the event planning thing, even though the cheerleading was clearly taking off. Sometimes we push in the wrong direction when we have something going well over here. Instead of taking advantage and being grateful for that, our focus is on the wrong thing. I originally started with event planning or party planning and cheerleading. And the cheerleading part of it took off. Now I find myself more in the event planning role with running events and, you know, for cheerleading and dancers all over the world. And that part of me is getting to really flourish now. So I kind of feel like, you know, if you stick with something for you put it out into the universe, it really does deliver back to you. So I'm really mm. quite grateful that I get to live both my passions now. Yeah, that's so interesting that it wrapped back around that, you know, you started with the, the, you put both out there and then the event planning was okay, but the cheerleading took off. And then now you plan events. Is Are, are the events around cheerleading? Are they connected? Yeah, no, they are connected to cheerleading. So the cheerleading and dance competitions that we run and specifically the, we do a global one in Hawaii with teams from all over the world, but I get to kind of play around a bit more. We do like an opening ceremony and we do a luau at the end and it's really kind of the fun part of what I get to do now. So cheerleading is where, are you? Are the events connected to cheerleading? Yeah, so I create cheerleading and dance competitions for people and we run those in New Zealand Australia and we do a global event in Hawaii which is really cool because I get to play around with an opening ceremony we do a big luau at the end we do glitter cannons and lighting and um, it really is just an amazing big party so it's awesome that I get to kind of live in both worlds now oh that's so cool yeah because it sounded like you had a passion for event planning as well as the cheerleading. So when the cheerleading takes off, it doesn't mean that your passion for event planning goes away, but it's good that it was able to just wrap back around and allow you to do both passions in one. And yeah. And tell me about event planning because that you talk about some stress (laughs) that can be very stressful. And and you kind of have two businesses in one, the events themselves which means there are quite a few stakeholders and then the cheerleading is, is it, does it feel like several businesses in one? Tell me about that. Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm juggling four businesses. We have the tuition side of our business and then we have the event side where we run cheerleading and dance events as well as making the merchandise, the apparel and the uniforms, as well as then organizing big tour groups of people, accommodation, flights, transport and all of that as well. So it's a lot to juggle, but I really wouldn't have it any other way. I feel, I probably feel more at ease and I feel better or more in control when things are going crazy. I'm quite good in crisis mode. And when I don't have a lot to do, it's harder to feel at peace, which seems I know a bit crazy. But (laughs) in terms of the event side of things, I did a bit of a shift in mindset shift for myself when I started working on a bit of personal growth. Um, I originally thought I needed to micromanage and control things. And if it wasn't done my way, then it probably wasn't done properly and since working on the on that side of myself I now realize that to empower people you need to let them make mistakes and I have to be okay with mistakes and that 
now when we have an event that doesn't go perfectly to plan, I actually feel like that's more successful than an event that would go really well because as a business or as an organisation or as employees, we then learn from that and we can take those learnings into other events. Mm, Yeah. And that's so interesting that you say that about the mistakes because this, this search for meaning over money project sort of came out of this idea my brother and I were talking about, you know, when, when you hear about successful CEOs, all you hear about is their successes, their resumes, but you don't hear as much until they pass away. Then they tell you the whole story. They don't, they'll tell you some of the mistakes, but unless you know them intimately, you won't know that they went through that. And so it's likely that you learned from your mistakes. So it's only fair that we let our team learn from mistakes too. But as CEOs, we don't always do that. So that's interesting that you learned that and shifted that mindset. How has that relieved or or even caused stress for you? How has that shifted stress for you? Well, when I realized that things didn't have to be done my way and that I'm actually really grateful to have staff do work for me I completely reframed what it looked like so when I go into an event that I haven't been involved in this setup I tell myself before I go in don't worry it'll be fine you can fix it you didn't have to do the work be grateful for the fact that it's been done (laughs) so I can go in now and see you know mistakes as learning opportunities I'm so grateful for the fact that you know previous to having staff I would be doing the setup to midnight or whatever that might have been that I can Mm -hmm. turn up the next day and most of the work be done I'm just grateful for that opportunity that you know I've been able to spend at home so it doesn't create stress for me it's just a I think a a gentle reminder for myself to look for the the gratitude in this situation and to look for the positives rather than looking for those negatives. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In presidential lifestyle, we call it what's going well. So yes, if you can look at that, what's going well. And like you said, you're grateful to even have a team because at one point you were doing all of this and that shift to having a team behind you really pushing forward the things that you can't have your hands, you can't have your hands in everything. Otherwise you won't grow. Yeah, correct. So So I'm wondering, as you are making the shift from one business to the next, how did you learn? Because it sounds like you had a job before and then you started a business. So how did you learn the, the acumen, all the business stuff that's not about coaching? cheerleading the other aspects that are more about the growth and the sustainability of the business I think my my parents have been in business so I, I've always had a, you know a business mentor or coach or someone to talk to I never really made any business decisions on my own without talking them through to somebody so I think just you know you don't know what you don't know so I just went in full steam ahead without any any fear or anything so um, and that's kind of really worked out well not not knowing hasn't been a a problem I think for me it was about being open to hearing other people's ideas and being able to talk out you know problems and issues so that I can even just hearing myself talk it through I can normally come up with a, a solution and then backing myself rightly or wrongly and knowing that whatever I choose or whatever decision I make will be the the right one because I'll either learn or you know, it'll be the 
what was supposed to be. So for me, mm. it's always, I think, you know, after 16 years in business, it doesn't really matter what happens. I have this overwhelming positive outlook that everything will work out because there's never been a time that it hasn't. Mm. As bad as it, as it can be, you know, it still always works out. Yeah, that's a great, great perspective. And one of the things I, I heard you say was you didn't make any of the decisions by yourself. So having someone to talk to or having someone to run things by, or like you said, just talk it through, because as you hear yourself saying it, you can say, oh, wait, that might not work. Or, oh, but what if I did it this way? So that's really good because a lot of times people do work in silos, especially as as young CEOs and entrepreneurs, we work in these silos and we try to figure it out in our heads and we really can't do that. So having a, a strong business mentor is such a, a blessing. Yeah, I also think that there's never any wrong decision. I think not making a decision is normally the wrong decision. So inaction is the worst decision I think you can make. So choosing to do something, whatever it might be, will end up being the right decision because you'll learn from any mistakes that you make or you will, you know, or it will be the right, you know, the right call at the time. So, yeah, so good. We um, interviewed another um, EO entrepreneur who said that similar thing and, you know, kind of not making the decision. A lot of times people freeze and don't do anything. And that's just not the right move. You can end up going out of business, not paying attention to what else is happening. You've got to make a move, even if it doesn't turn out exactly the way you wanted it to. It's like you said, it's the right decision to make a decision. So you just make a decision and then you make that decision right along the way. Because you're going yeah. to correct, course correct, as long, uh, you know, as you go. Yeah, if it's wrong, then pivot. You know, you'll learn pretty quickly that that wasn't the right call and it's okay to say I made a mistake, I didn't know it was wrong and I'm going to change. So I think, you know, I'm pretty confident in the fact that I'm okay to say when I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, you know, that and, and, and in front of your staff too or whoever that might be to say, oh, look, we made a mistake and um, we won't do it again and here's why. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point you made so that you have that humility, you know, humble out enough to say, hey, this is what happened and I own it. And this is where we're going moving forward. That's so good. I like that. So Yeah, I'm, I'm really big on owning your mistakes and accountability and honesty. I honest, you know, is the best policy so I don't know if it's okay for me to discuss but we just had our I coach team New Zealand for cheerleading and we were just about to go to our world cheerleading championships in eight but you know in a, in a few months time and I made the call to cancel earlier before anyone else was cancelling because of the virus and and it turned out to be the right thing uh, but it, you know it, it's tough calls that you have to make you know especially in yeah. changing times when things are changing by the hour <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point you make because we run a virtual business already. And although we do live events a couple of times a year, for the most part, our business is pretty virtual. So we didn't have to make a call like that. But I can imagine how tough that call could be because it affects so many people. So what was the, yeah, what was the thought process and the, you know, the kind of wisdom that you had to use to, 
to so, get to? Uh, so for me, I mean, I was really upfront with my family. So we had 180 people booked to travel with flights paid for. Before I paid flights, I asked the insurance company to make sure we were covered for coronavirus. And they laughed at me and said, of course, there's no, there's nothing in Florida. Don't be silly. And I said, well, give it to me in writing, please. <laughs> and I didn't, I was lucky enough not to pay any other accommodation or things over. And I just kind of kept monitoring the situation, you know, that, that cliche, that old saying of, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So mm -hmm. I was just really open with my athletes and the families that were traveling. And I said, look, I think it will be canceled. And everyone's like, wow, you know, this was pretty, pretty early on. And my thought process behind it is that I, I couldn't mentally feel like I could motivate athletes to an Olympic level of cheerleading because it's it's really tough work to be you know an athlete at that level and mm -hmm. as a coach to motivate them to do that when in my mind I was pretty certain the event wasn't going to go ahead when the NBA started cancelling and everyone was cancelling mm -hmm. yeah. so at, not to mention with borders closing and all sorts of stuff I made the call early enough to say to the families I don't think it's prudent and I think it would be reckless and irresponsible to take a team over to America when we don't know what's happening. So, mm -hmm. you know, there were lots of teams because some athletes will never get a chance to go again. Uh, but for me, it yeah. felt like the right call. And, you know, we got a lot of support out of it and the kids were actually really resilient in the way that they handled it. You know, now the problem is, will our, you know, will I still have a business with schools closing and how long will our, you know, gyms be closed for and how long can we last? And, you know, we won't yeah. be we won't be holding any events since the number are, is down to, I think, 100 maximum that we have in Australia and same with New Zealand. So we're looking at not holding any event. We won't be having an event business, you know, this year, likely. So mm. won't yeah. be selling apparel. Um, unlikely to be doing tuition. Look, we'll definitely try to go virtual. But it really is a case of playing the long game and not the short game right now. So providing our families that are, you know, having to be on lockdown at, and at home to give their, their kids something to do virtually to come on Zoom and see their own, see each other and be a part of something. And also just to, you know, keep that community going. I know that we can't charge a lot for virtual classes and I'm, I'm thinking right. we're not going to have income, much income at all. But, you know, if we can keep it front and centre and we do a really good job of engaging kids and families and, you know, help ease that boredom, then when we do come back, you know, hopefully those families will come back and support us in, in, in droves. So, yeah, um, so Absolutely. that's kind of our, our plan. <laughs> yeah. Because it sounds like, you know, well, this too shall pass. And kind of what you said earlier, everything does work out. It usually works out. That's been the case. But you can't see that while you're in it. You know it will, but you just have to sustain, like you said, through the long game, long enough to get past this obstacle because it will pass. And on the other side, if you can just be there when it passes, then you can flourish again. And it sounds like you have an, an incredible business. So they'll be back. They won't leave you because it sounds like you've done a great job of, of really executing on this. 
Yeah, and right now for our event business, I mean, that's that's a biggie when you, you know, run 10 events a year and there's not going to be any. For me right now, I'm just helping support the dance schools and the gyms that sit behind those events so that they will have businesses to come back to because without them, I don't have a business. You know, my focus is on helping those small businesses to see the, you know, the, the bigger picture and, you know, sharing my knowledge on what that looks like. So, you know, this morning I sent out a message just saying, you know, I, you know, it's changing every day. So my, my first message a week ago was let's start creating virtual online content because that's where we're all going to be. And then my next one was I'll be careful of creating virtual and online content because we now aren't competing with the dance school down the road or the cheerleading school. We're now competing with the best dance schools and cheerleading schools in the world and our, our world's going to be flooded with virtual content. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what we do have that's unique to us as businesses is the bond and the team aspect of what we do so you know any content we create needs to be engaged around bringing kids together in a virtual world as our teams you know and I thought that that might give us enough income to see us through but there's going to be families that are struggling to get money so my next my next post is actually I don't think we will be getting a lot of income maybe a quarter or a third of what we were getting before virtually but everyone's going to be offering virtual so now we just need to play that long game and we need to keep them engaged so that when we do come back that they're you know there to support us so that's changing it's changing daily (laughs) absolutely and great way to get ahead of that and be innovative and thinking that through because that's that's what keeps you in the game really being able to think ahead like that so let me ask you a little bit about so it sounds like this is a stressful time and a bunch of sacrifice is happening how how do you manage through yourself personally? So you talked about the business, but how do you yourself manage what you're going through? Oh, look, I mean, the last week I probably sat on the bed and watched five different news channels just to try and keep up to date with what's happening. Mm. I guess I'm really, and I don't know how this probably sounds terrible, but I'm kind of in a, in a guilty way, enjoying the drama of, of it all. It's like watching a soap opera. So mm, that's, yeah. quite, that's quite distracting. Knowing that I'm not going to have any income in my business, does that stress me out? No, it, it's not at the moment because I think I think I could make it through to the end of the year and would be okay and could kind of work, you know, work with banks and, you know, mortgages and holidays, you know, rent holidays and all that type of thing. I, I'm managing the stress well, actually, to be honest, I don't feel any stress. I don't feel mm. anxious or stressed about it. I'm more excited about being able to help and build relationships with gyms and cheerleading and dance schools all over the world to help them. When I feel like I'm helping them, it, it gives me purpose and joy. And, you know, it's really not about the money. I think I'll come out stronger at the end of it as being as being able to because I've been so helpful in sharing my thoughts and where I'm in what I'm doing with my business is helping others and we're creating all sorts of different content for people virtual and online classes that we're giving away for free that just that feels good and so I I I really feel like I have more of a purpose now than prior to you know the virus happening because I'm way more helpful to people than I've ever been so yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I'm not anxious or stressed. I'm a little disappointed that I'm not getting to go on holiday, but apart from that, <laughs> no, really looking forward to actually having family time and forced family time will be great. So, 
Yeah, that's a great way to perspective to have over it because it sounds like because the virus came, it opened up some opportunities for you, like you said, to help other people. So it created even more meaning in what you were doing. Even if the meaning was already there, it just made it flourish and, and yeah. boom even more. It's given me an, an, an opportunity. So I created a business growth group for cheerleading and dance schools in New Zealand and Australia. And that I started that in the middle of last year, just giving away free content and letting people know what I do for my business. And this has given me just another opportunity to talk to people and help them. And it really does bring me joy to get you know messages to say oh thanks for sharing it's really great content I've made really good decisions because of what you've been saying I didn't resign my lease I you know just yeah all that type of stuff just gives you yeah it warms my heart <laughs> in a time when it you know it feels like crisis yeah exactly and so I'm wondering and this is just from being an athlete myself so how do the athletes stay in shape during this season so we'll be doing, you know, cheerleading is one of those team type aspect things where we do like lifts and pyramids, which we obviously can't do. But, yeah. um, you know, we'll be creating fitness classes and strength classes and all sorts of things. And the kids can join us on Zoom with a live instructor and we can, you know, talk to them and chat and then give them challenges and and stuff to do and take kind of virtual, virtual, you know, Fitness classes really is what we're what we're planning on doing, as well as you know technique classes too. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm going to shift a little bit in a strange direction because you talked about in, in our pre conversation pizza and chocolate, two of my favorite things. So I'm wondering when does pizza and chocolate come in? Like when do you see yourself? having more pizza and chocolate than maybe you should and how do you balance that mindfulness and the running with the passion you have for pizza and chocolate so i think last week or the week before when things got really crazy with the virus i spent a week of eating carbohydrates and uh, comfort eating which is terrible and then went uh, and sugar and just went okay that's enough of that you know sat maybe comfort eating you know watching the soap opera play out uh mm-hmm. and then this week I went and that's enough get off your butt um so you know I have been running and exercising at the gym which you know brings me great you know you just feel better when you're exercising and I think the mindfulness is hard to I think in at the moment with everything that's kind of going on yeah I don't know it's just it's all a bit kind of hectic at the moment I guess yeah yeah totally like many people turn to carbohydrates <laughs> when <laughs> when they are stressed and one of the things that we do here at presidential lifestyle is is we monitor stress but we do that through physical activity nutrition and sleep and I know that whenever I'm talking to a patient, if if their nutrition is starting to slip or if their physical activity is starting to slip, then I know that the stress is to come. Or if the stress comes, they're not going to be able to handle it. But it's funny how this all related, because if you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to crave carbohydrates, which just means that your body is like, well, hey, I, I need more energy. 
and then you start to eat the carbohydrates, but then that means you don't want to go to the gym or you don't want to walk or, you, you know, you start doing things that are less physical and it's all connected. And then the stress comes and now you're not prepared for the stress and your reactions to things mentally and emotionally are so much different just because your your regimen is out of whack. Yeah, it's, the- pretty, it's a pretty vicious yes. cycle, isn't it? So, it is. so I have a question for you. Absolutely. If you're going into isolation or lockdown or your routine changes so dramatically mm-hmm. and you want to reach for comfort food in your how do you what what tips or tricks can you do to not do that? So one of the things that I recommend is having some of it, like don't eliminate. And that's what a lot of people, they want to starve themselves or eliminate or like try to use this willpower to not do it. And so that just stop that first, like give yourself permission to have some carbohydrates, especially knowing that you're experiencing a short crisis. This will end, this will pass, right? So just give yourself permission and then decide how much that is. So what is that? That might be a bowl. Okay. I'll have one bowl once a week or twice a week, whatever the number is for you, where that guilt doesn't set in. And then speaking of the guilt, you just have to tell yourself when you do begin to feel guilty, say, actually, this is not a bad thing. I already told myself that I was going to be able to have two bowls of ice cream a week, or I already told myself I was going to be able to have pizza once a week. I did that. It's once a week. I'm good. So you just talk yourself through it as you go and give yourself permission to have a little bit more than you normally would. And then the second part of that is you really have to pour in a lot more good. So that means you're eating a lot more vegetables, a lot more kale, a lot more broccoli. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like overdo it on that side. You're like really pouring in on that side. And then that helps you because the more good you put in, you're just not really even going to have room for the other stuff. But those two, if you can balance those two, those are simple ways to make small, you know, like a small dent in that. And then the last way is the meditation or the mindfulness, because when you, I meditate twice a day and I recommend to my patients to, to meditate twice a day. Once a day is good. If you're not meditating at all, then at least try that. But if you're meditating, how long do you meditate for? 20 minutes, wow, 20 okay. minutes, both times. So I don't do long meditations because one, I, I'm a, you know, running a business and an hour meditation just is not really conducive. But <laughs> when they did the studies, studies show that 20 minutes of meditation is really all the brain needs. Once the brain has that 20 minutes of meditation, it is the equivalent of two hours of rest. And so, what does meditation look like for you? What does 20 minutes look like? Meditation for me and for what I teach is it's just quiet. You don't really need any music, but if you want that, sure, turn music on for yourself. But you really don't need any music. You just go within. I do mantra meditation. You have a mantra. And let's just say for just example purposes that this mantra is thank you. So I'll say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You repeat the mantra and repeat the mantra. You slow down eventually. Thank you. Thank you. And as you slow it down, also getting lower and lower and lower. And now you're saying this in your head. So when you say lower, 
you actually can lower the sound in your brain. And as you lower the sound in your brain, then what will happen is you'll begin to go into thought, which is fine. It's okay. People think that you're not supposed to think in meditation, but the brain is very powerful. We're not going to stop the brain from doing what it already does. We're not stopping the heart from beating. We're not stopping the stomach from digesting. We're not starting the lungs for breathing. So we're not going to stop the brain from thinking, let it do what it does. So just allow it to think. And eventually you're going to get lost in thought. As you get lost in thought, then your brain will go silent. But the reason why you don't get lost in thought is because you keep stopping yourself from thinking. No, don't focus on that. Focus on silence. It's like, what? Focus on silence? What that say? So your brain starts to think and it's, it's, it's fighting against itself. But if you just let it do it, then it'll you'll get lost in thought and then it'll go into silence. And it won't last very long because the brain can't do that for very long. So the body is going to have some sort of jerk and then the, body, the brain is going to be like, what was that? You know, so. Then you just repeat that same cycle again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. After 20 minutes and you'll just have a little clock and you can see when the 20 minutes come, you just look at the clock and you see the 20 minutes and then you're done. And you just sit there for another minute, just allowing your brain to come back, your body and brain to like really connect to the room. Because for if, if you go into deep meditation, then you probably kind of got lost your you get kind of like woozy, like you don't want to just stand right up after meditation. So you give yourself a second to just come back into the room. And then once that happens, once you are able to do that, it gives you a little bit more control. I'm going to use the word over yourself or your emotions, a, a little bit more management because even control, control is a tough word and it's, it is tough to, to have control, but it gives you some management over yourself. And, and you'd be surprised how much you change by just doing those two meditations a day. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. I always thought I had to yeah, make my mind go silent and it's just so hard. I'm like, I just can't do it. No, nobody can. And then pro- probably, okay, some, some monk that has been <laughs> meditating since he was five or something, but that's not, we don't need to do that. As a, a regular person with day-to-day activity and, and responsibilities, monks don't have responsibilities. That's why they're able to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So that's kind of what happens is that people have this misconception of what meditation is. And then they're just like, you know what? Never mind. I don't, that's too much. I'm not going to be able to do it. And so yeah. once you simplify it a little bit and know that it's natural and your thoughts are okay. And let me add this, sit comfortably. Don't think you have to prop yourself up on a meditation cushion, or you can just chill in your favorite comfy couch or lazy boy chair, wherever you like. You don't have to be sitting on a rock and some remote area to to meditate i love that (laughs) yeah so that kind of brings us i have one more question for you but i'm wondering i know this is a time of change and at the time this airs we don't know where the coronavirus will be it might be long gone because we're gonna air sometime later so i I think it's gonna be here for the next six months 
You do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but, I'm, I'm, but I'm absolutely, I, I'm happy to talk about no virus, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm wondering how people connect with you if they say, wow, and we have listeners all over because it's the podcast is global. And they say, wow, I didn't know that was here or wow, I've been thinking about doing that. Maybe I should call them or contact them. How do people connect with you? Or even during this virus, they just might want to be connected. So when you're when this is over, that they'll be connected with you. So how do people connect with you? Oh, yeah. So if anyone wants to connect with us and you're in New Zealand and you want to do cheerleading, uh, you can call 0800 Cheerleader or you can find us on our website www.allstarcheersport.co.nz otherwise you can find me on instagram on kimberly ramsey uh, or if you're looking for really any cool dance and cheerleading events we are at cheerbrands.com that's cheerbrands with a z.com cheerbrands with a z all right and i'll i'll make sure i get all that info from kimberly and put that in the show notes for for you guys so don't worry if you didn't have time to write all of that down. It'll be in the show notes. And just to get wrap up with our last question, tell me what is the best advice you've ever received or the advice you wish somebody would have told you? I think the best advice I ever received, um, and it's kind of a mantra that my family lives by, is that where there is a will, there is the way. So to never give up to you know the best ability is availability so if there's something you really want or there's something you want to do there'll always be a way to do it and it just takes perseverance and and sometimes it 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 looks a bit like you know looking outside the looking outside the box and being a bit creative in the way that you get there so I always wanted to be a cheerleader I wasn't good enough to make the team so I started my own and put myself on it so um, (laughs) yeah so where there's a will there's a way is probably my you know best thing don't give up just keep trying I love that you said you know what don't worry about putting me on your team I want to create a team and then I'll beat you (laughs) I just added that part (laughs) (laughs) that was the little the little competitive girl in me (laughs) (laughs) well Kimberly thank you so much for sharing your story with us so really just sharing that the the pivot that you guys have made because I know so many people experiencing this can learn from your words your experience and and also your temperament because you're not going through this yelling and screaming and reacting you're going through this calm and peaceful and and pretty responsive and innovative so I I really commend you and how you approach this thank you yeah I just I think there's no point in being you know that those that's that stressful feeling isn't helpful. That anxious feeling that you know doesn't help solve any problems or get you any further. And you you know it's that it's that power of now that meditation that you talk about. You know accepting what is and then looking for the positives and and a way forward in a way that you can help other people. It's really what's kind of seen me through this, and I just see amazing opportunities rather than you know problems. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Oh, no, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You're welcome. Well, thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. We're so glad you were here and we want you to come back next week. We're going to be doing more EO interviews. We have some mini courses coming up for you too. And we actually are starting a new 
series and it's going to be on Friday. So you're going to have two episodes a week. How cool is that? I know. I know. Don't. You're excited. I know. Calm down. It'll be fine. I can't wait to see you guys either. So have a great rest of your week. Thank you, my Prospero's. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my prosperity pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money, and I'll get you an answer. Remember, the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.